Well, good morning, church. Man, I'm excited about today. I'm not preaching from down here. Don't panic. Not that you would. It doesn't matter to you. We're going to start uh, this portion of the service this morning with something that is very dear to my heart. Craig and Colleen, if you guys would go ahead and come up with uh, Gabriel and uh, Isaiah. And if Eli would like to join you, that's fine. Or you can stay with grandparents. Uh, whatever is comfortable for you. Uh, as they're coming up, I- I'll say this. Uh, it always um, is such a joy for me when, when the Holy Spirit begins to roll a service out like this. Um, as, as hard as we may try, we don't ever get things synced up this well in our own ability. It's totally the Holy Spirit, and, and we want to recognize that. that that's, it's not that you guys have some people in leadership that are just really good at coordinating. Um, and not that we aren't, but this is not our effort. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, and we want Him to get the spotlight for that. I'm excited for the Glasscocks today. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this morning, I've got a long history with, with Colleen, especially, but also Craig. Before Craig was even a member of their family when they got married, uh, we saw each other at farmer's markets all the time, and Craig always wanted to talk about cows, which I always enjoy talking about. And so there's just always been a great connection. And as you guys know, now Craig's one of our deacons and uh, is a faithful servant of the Lord. And so it is uh, a real honor to get to hang out with these guys. They are so much fun. Um, You know this already, both of you, but life is not going to be slow for you, right? That y'all come stand on the other side of me. I feel weird looking over you at that way. Eli, come see, bro. Come on over. You know, this morning, I want to just remind you of some things um, that you already know. You, you, Colleen, have grown up in the church. Craig, you've been here a lot. You guys have been sitting on the receiving end of this for, for all of the kids that we've dedicated recently. And of course, you dedicated Eli as well. Um, and so I just, I want to remind you of the responsibility that God's giving you, given you as parents, that you are to train up your children in the ways of the Lord, to be an example of Christian living both inside the home and outside of the home, to provide for, to protect, to nurture these boys, to make them a part of your family, sharing with them your love, your time, and your lives. Teach them to be or to have the same love that Jesus has for you, to role model for them what that looks like in life. I want to remind you today, too, that you're not alone in that responsibility, that while they are your biological children, they're the children of God. Most importantly, He is a major player in that process, right? Um, God's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the encouragement. He's going to give you the patience that's going to be required to raise three rambunctious boys. Now, I know Isaiah's pretty chill at the moment, but time will tell, right, of what that's going to look like. And if he's going to keep up with the older two, uh, he's going to have to have an iron fist. I know that's coming, okay? This morning... um, we're not just dedicating Gabriel and Isaiah, Isaiah as much as we are dedicating that you guys are dedicating yourselves to them, that you're making a commitment before the Lord, before your family here, not just your, your biological family, but your family of God, that you guys are committing, that you're dedicating yourselves to raise these boys the way that God would have you to raise them. We're going to talk about that some more in the message today because I love how the Lord's worked that in, okay? So I want you to listen as I ask you some questions. And in answering these questions, you're making promises not to each other, 
not to your boys, but you're making these promises to God. Okay, this is a commitment that you're making to Him. So, if you're willing to do these things, say I do to the following promises, okay? Do you pledge, as followers of Christ, that you will raise your sons in a home that emphasizes the importance of a personal, growing relationship with God? Do you promise to teach them the truth of the gospel and pray for the day that they choose to believe that truth for themselves? Do you promise to show them God's love to the best of your ability? Okay. Now, church family, these are for you. Because we all know it, it takes a village to raise a child, especially when they're boys of these caliber, right? As you can see, Mama Janet already had to come up and give a lending hand. But all of us need that. And so today, when we, when we talk about these promises together, I don't want us to take these lightly, church. As a father of five, I know that I cannot do it on my own. All of you have played such a vital role in the lives of my children, and I know that your intent is to play that same role in the lives of these Glasscock boys. Okay, so as we are talking about these commitments together, I want you to engage your minds and your hearts as we say these things. And if you'll do these, respond by saying, we will. Do you pledge, as their brothers and sisters in Christ, that you will role model the importance of a personal growing relationship with God? Do you promise to help Craig and Colleen teach them the truth of the gospel and pray for the day that they choose to believe that truth for themselves? Do you promise to show them God's love to the best of your ability? Okay. Now, I'd like to ask Bethany as our next-gen minister to come up. She's got a few things that she wants to share with you. Craig and Colleen, as part of your preparation for baby dedication, you were reminded of Deuteronomy chapter 6, where Moses instructed the nation of Israel to live out their faith in front of their children. He said this, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now Moses didn't give that instruction to only the parents, but he told the entire nation to live out their faith in front of their children. So Craig and Colleen, as a children's ministry, I want you to know that we are committing to walking in this journey with you. We also commit to live out our faith in front of your boys so that they may one day come to know Christ as Savior. The second thing that you were asked to do was to come up with a list that describes who you would like your child to be. This list will serve as a reminder for you to keep the end goal in sight, not to get bogged down in the tediousness of daily parenting, but to remember who God has called you to be as parents and what God has called you to impart on your children. I'm going to speak each of these now as a blessing over each boy. So let's do Isaiah John first. Can you come bring, bring Isaiah over here? Isaiah John, may you one day come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. May you learn to abide in Christ as you grow, grow closer to him each day of your life. And as you grow, may you be strong and loyal, and may you love God. We love you.
All right, we're gonna do uh, Gabriel. That's gonna be for Isaiah. Gabriel Craig. May you come to one day know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. May you learn to abide in Christ as you grow closer to him each day of your life. And as you grow, may you be forgiving and hardworking and above all, love God. Um, we have certificates for Craig and Colleen and uh, for Will as the pastor to sign on behalf of the church. Craig, can you hand me one of those? Okay. Uh, the certificate says, Certificate of Dedication, we hereby commit to raise Isaiah John Glasscock, and Gabriel Craig, Craig will have one as well, in the nurture and knowledge of the Lord. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Proverbs 22, 6. And we're asking our uh, parents to sign that, and then Will on behalf of the church. And then also on behalf of the church, we're um, presenting each boy with the Jesus Storybook Bible. I'd like to ask now if uh, extended family would like to come up. We're going to pray over them. And if you're in their life group and would like to join as well, you're welcome to do so and encouraged. We're not taking a picture. You don't have to. I mean, you can. It doesn't matter. Oh, we are taking a picture. My bad. <laughs> now, Craig and Colleen, I want you to just take just a moment and take this in. Just look around you. These people love you dearly, but they love your kids more. <laughs> okay? Let's just be honest. Okay? <laughs> Get a Craig. Craig, give us an amen. All right. We're going to pray over you guys, but I want you, as you look around this, this group right here, all of us are going to support you, but these people right here are your partners. They are there for you through thick and thin, whatever you need, because here's what's going to happen. At some point in life, things are going to get really hard, and you're not going to want to ask for help, Craig, but sometimes you're going to need it. Colleen, same thing for you. And these people right here, these are your partners. They're going to be there for you through thick and thin, okay? So guys, you can just put your hands on them or put your hand on somebody that's got their hand on them, and I want to pray over them real quick, and then you guys can be seated. Let's pray together. God, as we stand before you today, we are promising you, Gabriel, Isaiah, Colleen, and Craig, that we will do all that we can in providing an environment in which Gabriel and Isaiah can know you. Father, we understand that at the end of the day, all of that is dependent solely upon you. 
as we've sung, as we have prayed this morning for the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we know that that is what is going to be required in order for these boys to come to a saving relationship with you. So Father, we are so thankful that you have brought this sweet family into our body. Craig and Colleen have already prioritized listening and obeying to you. And today we ask that you give them the strength to continue in that endeavor. We ask that you would give them wisdom and compassion as they raise these three incredible little boys. God, show them your love daily and give them the tools that they need to share that same love with their boys. Father, we ask that you bless this family and their extended family with a love for one another that can only come from you. Jesus, we love them so much and we know that you do too. Father, we ask all of these things in your name. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Thank you. Well, good morning. This already, like, I feel like we've had church already. Like, we could just, we're not going to, but we could just go home. I'm just saying. The Lord has more to say to us this morning. I'm really excited about the message He has for us. Um, and, and I'm just, I, I always, this is a special Sunday for me when, and we got another one coming, by the way, over here, little Cypress man. We're going to get to have Glenn and most importantly, Talitha with us for that Sunday. So we're all clear on where I stand on that. Um, these are, these are great, great days. These are days for me that just well me up with joy on the inside. I know the same is true for you. I want to remind you some things as we get started this morning um, of, of where we've kind of been, what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Um, last week, we took the time to really dive into what a high priest is, because as we discussed, that's not language that we use often. It's not an idea that we talk about very often. We talked about it in our life group as well, that that's just, unless you're Russ, that's not a topic of conversation. If you don't know Russ, his Old Testament is his jam. It's what he teaches, Hebrew specifically. Um, a high priest, if we want to kind of put it in some terms so that we can understand today, is that, um, that he is a representative of the people before God. And in the Old Testament, the way that it worked, because God lived in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, if you wanted to speak to God, you had to go through one of these representatives. The average Joe, like you and I, were not allowed to go into God's presence. Okay, so there's this mediator between God and his people. We thought about the problems that arise when someone else is representing us. Often we've, we've had experiences where someone else is representing us and they don't do a good job of that. Maybe they don't understand, maybe they don't care. There's a lot of different reasons when that can happen, but there's problems that arise when people aren't representing us well. Try as they might, these high priests were sinful. They're, they were just like us. And so even with their best effort, they were failing at the job that they had been given. And then comes Jesus who the scripture describes as the perfect high priest, the great high priest. And that's what we're going to dive into a little bit today, that upon his death and resurrection, he took the role as high priest, and now he's, he is our mediator between us and God. I love all the songs and the message today surrounding family and our reliance on the Holy Spirit. Today's, the title of today's message is Trust Jesus, and I just want to remind us that we believe in a Godhead. The three in one, that God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all the same. 
And so what we're going to talk about today, I love how the, the Holy Spirit has been crafting this together, is the fact that there is a need for all of us in our lives to trust Jesus. We're going to see that that's the message coming from the author of the book of Hebrews today, okay? He, he wants us to understand that Jesus is the perfect high priest for two reasons. Number one, he never sinned. So he is already a step above anything that we could ever accomplish. And number two, that he faced all the temptations and the troubles that we face, which allows him to perfectly represent us. We talked about last week how when someone can't empathize with you, when they can't understand where you're coming from, they can never represent you perfectly. But Jesus can, because he's faced all the same things that we have faced. We're going to continue on in chapter 3 today and see that the author wants the church to understand that while Moses, who we're going to talk about, deserves great respect, he pales in comparison when we look at Jesus. The author is encouraging the church to place their trust not in men, not in the past, not in history, but in Jesus. This morning, I want us to think about where we place our trust. That's the goal for today. I want us to think about where we place our trust. Remember this emphasis from verse 1 that we saw last week. This is Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. The author is asking them to think about Jesus in this way. That he is the bringer of good news and as their representative. I don't know how your week went last week, but I want to tell you a little bit about mine. Because as I began to think about this message that Jesus has for us, and I was thinking about the week that I've had, it became very clear that God set up my week in a very particular way for this message today. Last week I had to, or this week, I've had to trust Jesus at a level that I've never had to do before. As you guys know, I work a full-time job, right? And that is enough in and of itself. We all have full-time jobs, and sometimes they're a lot. Last week, in particular, the week before this one, was incredibly stressful, and I had to do a lot of design stuff, which meant that all the stuff that I would normally do in that week had now gotten shifted to this week. And then on top of that, Bethany, my wife, was gone to youth ministry training program or, uh, in, in Fort Worth, and so I'm working from home with the kids at the house, and while you can get work done, it's not the same as being in the office, okay? We had church Wednesday night, and since Bethany was out, I took on her responsibilities for that. Mike called me Tuesday, which don't feel bad about that. The Lord is in all this. I'm going to get to that in a minute, and asked me to, to officiate the service for his mom, which I was happy to say yes to do. Friday night, we had all the girl cousins coming over. Saturday morning, Wake up and there's no power. I have a CPAP. I don't know if y'all know that about me. And I woke up because the power went out and I was going, because <gasps> I couldn't breathe. Yesterday we went to the Meeks house, loaded them up, get done with that, come back. Now it's time to sermon prep. I'm telling you all those things not because I want you to be like, man, Will is such a great guy. Because let me just tell you, I'm not. I'm telling you those things because all of those events that happened just over the last seven days ordained by the Holy Spirit. Think about that. I had an incredibly busy week and God was not surprised by not one of those things. And here's what it required. It required for me to trust in him to do what only he can do. Because if, if you would ask me, is that too much? I would have said yes. And I'm going to say no to about half of that. 
But Jesus said it was something that I needed to do. Conventional wisdom would have said, that's too much to do in a week. Something, you're going to drop the ball on something. Something's not going to go well. You need to hand that off to somebody else, right? That's what you would think if somebody handed you a list like that. But Jesus ordained those things. Because he put each one of those responsibilities on me this week, he also provided exactly what I needed when I needed it. And again, I don't want you to think this is about Will saying, look how good I am. This is about Will saying, look how good Jesus is. Because he accomplished those things. I know that all of us feel like um, pretty often there's this truth that happens in our lives. That life gets busy. That things get complicated. And we always default back to what's easy. I love that, that part of what we did with Craig and Colleen this morning by having them think about the type of men they want these boys to grow to be. One of the things they, they learned this week is that those are things for them to remember the long road, the long goal. That in the midst of the day-to-day when things get difficult, where am I, what is my end goal? That's what we're shooting for. Because life gets hard. Sometimes we have a week where everything gets muddled together and it's not easy and we lose sight of what's really happening in our lives. That's something that all of us have experienced. And what I want us to see today is if we let Jesus call the shots in our lives, we're going to have more happen than we could ever do on our own. And there's going to be more enjoyment in that than we could ever experience if we're the one calling the shots. All of us have to make decisions about where we're going to place our trust. We do it every day from the time we wake up until the time we go to sleep. We make a decision on what we're going to trust. And this could come in the realm of kids when you're dealing with all the things that come with kids, be it discipline or, or what school they're going to or what classes they're going to, all of those things. And we have to decide, are we going to trust in Jesus to speak those things for us or are we going to make those decisions for ourselves? In regards to um, our finances, are we going to trust conventional wisdom that says this is how you handle your money? Are we going to bring that to Jesus and say, how do you want me to spend this money? When it comes to uh, living in mission, when we think about mission, it's the ministry that God's doing through our lives, the needs that it's meeting. Are we going to decide for ourselves what meet, needs we're going to meet in the community around us? Or are we going to let Jesus define those things for us? As we look at the book of Hebrews, we see that he is, he is telling the people, the heart of this passage is that they need to trust Jesus. I keep reminding us as we study through the book of Hebrews that this book was written to encourage this church. This church was being persecuted because they chose to follow Jesus. They'd lost everything that was important to them, their families, their jobs, sometimes their homes, as a result of a decision to trust Jesus. And so this this letter is being written to remind them of the truth that Jesus was the Messiah. And the author in these next couple of verses we're going to look at today specifically compares Jesus to Moses to make a point that our trust should be placed in Jesus and not in the prophets of old. While Moses was great, Jesus was greater. Read this with me. This is Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to read verses 2 through 6 today. It says, He, who is talking about Jesus, was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, 
as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are, the, we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and hope in which we boast. Now I want us to think about this for a minute. There's a reason that the author is writing this letter, that he's making this comparison between Jesus and Moses. The goal of the non-believers, the non-followers of Jesus, was to convince those that had chosen to follow Jesus that the, that the people of the past far surpassed this person of Jesus. They wanted them to convert back to their old beliefs. Just like I was talking about a while ago, when life gets hard, we often default to what's easy. Think about it. If these people who had chosen to follow Jesus and lost everything would simply renounce the person of Jesus, all that they had lost, they would regain. Their family, their, the trust of their family, their jobs, all of that would simply come back if they would just denounce Jesus. And while that may seem something that's far away from you, I think what the Holy Spirit wants us to understand today is those are decisions that you and I make every day, whether we recognize it or not. Because often we have an opportunity to choose to trust Jesus or to default to conventional wisdom, to cultural norms, to things that are easy, rather than the things that Jesus is calling us and asking us to do. The author wasn't denying the foundational work that God did through Moses. That's not his intent. Rather, he's pointing out that it was simply the precursor to what Jesus would eventually accomplish. Moses had his purpose. He served a role. But it was simply to tell people, to give them an image of what the Messiah would one day be. I was thinking about how do, we, how do I communicate that in a way that really makes sense to us. And this is what came in my head. Think about seeing a movie preview. Those are usually about two and a half, three minutes long. And then going and see a movie that's hour and a half or two hours long and being like, you know, that preview is really a lot better than the movie. I think next time I'll just watch the preview. Now, I will say there's been a few times where the preview is better than movie, but that's not because the, the preview was great. It's because the movie was not great, right? But think about that. There's a, another way I thought about this is imagine going to a concert and you see the opening band and then you leave before the headliner ever shows up. That's not the point of going to the concert. You went to the concert to see the, main, the headliner. You probably didn't even know who the opening band was. They're just some no-name no somebody. And you see them like, man, that's pretty good. I'm out. And you miss the point of why you paid the money to go. See, I think part of the problem was in their culture, Moses had been built up to this rock star status. And so when, you, when anyone spoke the word of the name of Moses, all of these images, and, and let's not downplay what Moses did. Moses did an amazing thing. We talk, when we talk about the abiding cycle, who do we start with? Moses. Because here's a man who, who messed up and murdered somebody. And then God eventually uses him to deliver all of Israel from slavery in Egypt. So Moses is a big deal. But as big a deal as Moses is, Jesus is far greater than that. Far greater. The issue was that, that they had built Moses up. Okay? To try and process help them process what he's saying. The author recounts another story that would have been greatly remembered. He uses, uh, Russ taught us about this a couple of years ago, an illusion, right? He tells this story and immediately it brought their memory back to this moment. He, he uses this illusion of the builder of the house and the house itself. 
And what would have immediately come to mind, we can read about in, the sec- in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where David is literally moving into his palace, and he looks over and he sees that God is still living in a tent. The tent that they moved all around the wilderness as they are looking for the promised land, as they're waiting on God to deliver them. Okay, and so here's what David does. He did what we would do. Here I am moving into my palace and God's living in a tent. I need to build God a house too. And so he goes to Nathan, who is a prophet, who is, again, the person who is representing God. And he says, Nathan, here I am moving into my palace and God's still living in a tent. I need to build him a house. And Nathan's like, yep, you should do that. And then that night, the Lord comes to Nathan and says, Nathan, no, David will not build me a house. His son, Samuel, will. Excuse me, Solomon. He says, David's son's going to do it. Now, I want to point out here that both David and Nathan fell back on logical thinking. I have a palace. God doesn't. We should build God a palace. We talk about this all the time, about the difference between good works and godly work. Right? And Nathan and David defaulted to what was logical. And they thought, I'm going to do a good thing for God. Church, we've seen that all through our history, through the church's history of, of people saying, there are hurting people around me, I'm going to go help them. But they, and that's a good thing. We should help people. But often what happens is in the midst of us doing a good thing, we're in the way of the godly thing that God wants to do. Either because we're there when someone else should be, or we're somewhere that God doesn't want us to be, and therefore we can't be where he needs us to be. Often God speaks into our lives and he tells us things that we ought to do. But if we're not listening, we're going to be in the wrong place at the right time. Our good works get in the way and even prevent God from working the way he needs to. We haven't talked about this in a while, but we understand the difference between following Jesus and then just living in dead religion. In church, often when life gets tough, Our default is to go back to the dead religion because it's easy. We can see a clear path of where to go. Rather than taking the time to stop and ask the Lord how we should move forward. This is what the non-believers were trying to convince Jesus' followers to do. To revert to dead religion. To go back to what was easy. To what was comfortable. Look with me again at verse 5 because the author is making, um, making a point of showing us the difference between Jesus and Moses. It says, Moses was a faithful servant in all God's household as a testimony of what would be done in the future. See, Moses was a faithful what? Servant. Okay? But look what he goes on to say in the beginning of, of, of verse 6. He says, but Christ was a faithful son over his household. I want you to think about the significance of those two words for just a moment. A servant only gets to operate in the parameters that he is given. He is only allowed to go so far. He's only given so much authority. But a son, a son has the same authority as the father. I was thinking about how that plays itself out in my life. I work for Petron and I just work there, right? I get paid a wage. I'm an employee. But the owner's sons work with me. Now, my job is fun. It's exciting. I get to do a lot of things. I have a lot of freedom. But I don't have the same freedom as the sons. 
The sons can literally do whatever they want. If they want to get paid to get their pilot's license, get after it. You want to work in the real estate area this week and next week drive heavy equipment? Knock yourself out. I don't have the same privileges because I'm not a son, right? And the same is true for Moses and Jesus. Moses was great, yes, but he's not the son. Jesus is the son. Let's bring this idea of servant versus son down here where we are, okay? If we choose to follow servants, if we lean in on logic, if we lean on cultural norms or dead religion, we're not only turning our back on Jesus, but we're also giving up the freedom that he died to give us. If we're following servants, if we're following people who are not following Jesus, we're giving up the very thing that Jesus died to give us. However, if we lean on Jesus, on the Son, and let Him guide us as we abide in Him, we're going to experience freedom from cultural demands. Think about that. Think about all the things that you're supposed to do in the South because you're supposed to. Think about not having to worry about that anymore. Think about the fruitless activity that we have all been involved in over the course of our lives because we were doing good things instead of godly. In Jesus, we find freedom. We find community. As I was looking at this crowd of people surrounding Craig and Colleen today, as I heard the testimony of Mike this morning, I'm thinking about the community that Jesus has built as all of us are following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That is not something that we can conjure up. That is not something that I can motivate you to ever do. The reason that our church feels the way it does is because we are pursuing the Holy Spirit. We're living in obedience to Him. In Jesus, we find worship. Y'all, I found myself this morning worshiping in an intensity that I haven't in a long time. Because this week, I've had to have so much of my, my time spent pursuing the Lord. Because I figured out real quick in the week, I couldn't do it on my own. And in Jesus, we find ministry. We find opportunities to walk along beside our brothers and sisters, where, whether it's a celebration like we had today of dedicating some boys or a celebration like we had Friday of the life of someone amazing. Jesus is the reason we get to have all of that. All the things that we truly desire, all the things that our hearts long for, all of that is found in Jesus, not in the world. When we think about things like finding the right job, ask Jesus. Yes, you're going to have to fill out resumes, and yes, you're going to have to go to interviews, but let him guide you through that process. When you're struggling with your kids, ask Jesus about it. Don't just go find a self-help book or, or here's how to discipline your kids. Those things are tools and they can be helpful, but they'll never be as helpful as Jesus. They're only a resource. When you're feeling lonely, lean into Jesus and pursue the community that He has provided. I wrote that down and then Mike said it this morning. That he felt alone and then he realized the Holy Spirit revealed to him the community of believers who have the Holy Spirit living inside of him that showed him that he wasn't alone. In the past, we spent so much time talking about abiding in Jesus. And this is where we find ourselves again today. Being reminded by the Holy Spirit to check our hearts and our knee-jerk responses. When things happen in life, where do you immediately turn to? What's your knee-jerk? 
Are you immediately following social norms, your own intellect, or the advice of, of other people? Or are you following Jesus? There's so many people in our communities that need to hear our stories of obedience, not so that we can build ourselves up, so that they can experience the freedom that follows obedience. When, we, when Jesus gives you direction, tell people about it. And then let them experience vicariously through your life the goodness of Jesus Christ. Our world doesn't need another group of people that's pointing to a building. They need to see a group of people pointing to the one who made the building. They need to see the builder of the house, not the house. Our stories of God's activity in our lives are the truth that people need to hear to know that Jesus can be trusted. Listen, people in our communities and our world are comfortable with the religious status quo. They trust that it'll have a consistent, minimal return. If I just do a little bit, I'll feel pretty good about it, and then I can move on to Monday. But what Jesus is offering is to follow Him and pursue Him every day. And He will produce the fruit through us, and we get to stand back and go, man, look what God did today. Look what He did this week. This was the message that was for us today, but also was for the church. Go back to your former beliefs, and life will most definitely be easier. Or, pursue the Lord. I want to end with this last part of verse 6 today. It says, and we are the household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. We are the household. We are the house that Jesus is building. If we hold on to our confidence, right? He's, he's saying literally that if we possess or own with boldness and our hope and our reason for boasting, if we own it with boldness, that Jesus is where freedom, love, joy, fulfillment, and the list goes on and on. If we hold that with boldness, that that's where those things are found. Not only will Jesus be faithful over us, but the people in our proximity are going to get to see that faithfulness through us. See, it's bigger than we are, church. It's so much bigger than we are. Jesus wants to work in our lives, not just for our benefit. I refer to this all the time, Colossians chapter 3, that Christ in us is the hope of glory. God's intent is to show the world around us that He can be trusted by letting them see you trust Him in your life. People will be drawn to that. People will begin to see the truth about who Jesus is, not when we are deciding what good works should be done, but by leaning on Him. They're going to see when we rely on Him to tell us what He's doing, and then we join Him in what He's doing instead of what we think ought to be done. Good works are a testimony of us. But godly works are a testimony to God, and that's what the world needs. That's the story that we share. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I just can't say thank you enough for today, for the worship that we have enjoyed with you and with one another, for the, the celebration of, of getting to dedicate these two boys to you. Father, I am consistently blown away by the goodness that you exhibit through this body of believers. And Father, I don't say those things boastfully for myself, but I boast in you, in your goodness, in your love. 
Father, as we, as we close our worship today, worshiping you once again. Father, I ask that you would continue to draw our hearts even closer to you this morning. And Father, as we step out of this building, as we begin our next week, that Father, that our focus would be solely on you. That we wouldn't rely on our own uh, logic or our own wisdom. But Father, that in everything, we'd take a moment and pause and say, Jesus, what do you got for me right now? And that through that, the world would get to see your goodness and not ours. Jesus, we ask these things in your name. Amen.